Welcome to Soaring the Sky, a Glider Pilot Podcast. Hello, my name is Chuck. This is episode 20. Today, our guest pilot, Sebastian Kala, joins us from southern Poland. He is a second-generation glider pilot as well as a competition glider pilot and holds the most world champion titles in gliding history. He is also known for his book about soaring he wrote called Sky Full of Heat. When he's not flying, Sebastian is also a physician. Join us now for this exciting interview with Sebastian Kava. Sebastian, thank you for taking your time to be on the podcast today. I know you're a very busy man, so welcome. Thank you very much. Hello. <laughs> so when did your aviation adventure begin? Uh, I think it's uh, like in every uh, gliding family. My father was a glider pilot, so I started very early. Um, just uh, formally to start flying, uh, you need to be 16 years old. But uh, I think uh, I had s- several occasions to uh, at least uh, sit in the plane and or in the glider um, when I was 10 years old. And especially I remember one flight with my father um, in my uh, home club now at Międzybrodzie Żywieckie in Poland in uh, Beskidy Mountains. And it was old wooden glider. Uh, Bochan, and we flew in summer at uh, maybe 2,500 meters, and I remember it was very cold. <laughs> and uh, I paid especially attention to every whistle the glider was making, and it was a little bit scary for me, but um, I liked the, um, the tridimensional movements and uh, I remember it uh, especially made a huge uh, uh, I was impressed uh, when I could see the glider with the wheel down and the wheel was not touching anything and was still <laughs> hanging yeah that, that was especially <laughs> for me and uh, because uh, it was quite busy today in the in the air so we could see many gliders and uh, remember this flight especially now so it was not especially long but uh, I started to fly officially as a student when I was 16 years old because this was the uh, official age for, for flying gliders in Poland. And, uh, so this is very normal, <laughs> I think. Where did your journey take you after that? Um, actually, um, before that, before I flew uh, gliders, I was already involved in the sports. And uh, there was always some activities uh, in my school. We went to ski. And uh, with some friends in Minzebrodzie, we started to sail in, in nearby lake. Um, we were starting with Optimist boats. It's a square, a little boat for um, kids. And um, that was a very successful club. So I, I learned to be a, a competitor in that age. And so that's probably the part of the story, because why I was so successful in, from the beginning in, in gliding. For me, it was just a, a change of the media. Yeah, I, I already learned to, to, to be a competitor. I knew that it's not far from being the average to being on, on top. You just need to squeeze yourself a little bit more, do something a little bit better, and then you are in the lead. Yeah, that's uh, so... Mm, but initially, I didn't uh, fly in competitions. Uh, it took about two years before I went for Polish National Gliding Championships uh, as a junior uh, because I was busy sailing in that moment. Yeah? But uh, in one moment, it was about 80s. The gliding club uh, was still active and the sail 
sailing club we just lost a uh, sponsor fiat factory was uh, sold to to italians and uh, we didn't have uh, for a moment sponsors so i in that moment i should f- start to sail for 70 instead of uh, 420 as a senior and uh, olympic game boat uh, so not easily but i changed them in the media and i started to f- officially uh, participate in competitions in, in, in gliding. Uh, so it was up to after two years of flying in difficult terrain, because in mountains, it's a little bit more difficult than flying in a flat country. So I, when I went to Leszno, which is a, of, an officially Polish capital of gliding, this competition for me flying with these thermals, white thermals, uh, strong thermals, it was much easier than in mountains. So I was very successful then and I won this competition with a huge margin and, and it started, uh, it was a, it, from that moment it was a, a reason to, uh, to start uh, thinking of uh, gliding uh, more seriously. It, uh, up to now, it was just a fun for uh, holidays, but then I started to fly in competitions and it was uh, more serious. <laughs> Sebastian, how do you prepare for a competition race? In this moment, uh, I think it's very important to be in the competition area at least one or two competitions earlier. earlier. Even if it's flat country, the hotspots are very, very stable. And uh, to get to know them, it's, uh, it's very important. Of course, we have logs now. We can produce a map of hotspots and hot areas in, in a computer, but to know them exactly where it is on the ground, it's much, much better. And so, especially in mountains, if you fly in uh, in hilly terrain, going for a competition without uh, spending at least 100 hours in this area, it's... Uh, uh, you you have to be a hero to do it. <laughs> it's uh, it's not so easy then. Local pilots have such a big advantage in this moment that uh, they can be average. Yeah, and if they know where to fly, they fly quickly because they did it hundred times. And they then they then they uh, can overtake everybody. So uh, this those tricks in the mountains um, are very important. It's not only the te- technique you fly, it's also the knowledge of the terrain. So at least you have to f- be there. And then, of course, it's necessary to get used to your instruments in the glider. Now what, now we have almost every, in edge glider, we have the same instruments. The electronics is almost the same everywhere. Um, the monopoly of the Elix uh, is worldwide. <laughs> so this is much easier now. But uh, sometimes the settings of the Vario uh, on the, or the behavior of the, because of the um, tubes is a little bit different and you need to get used to it. And of course, uh, gliders are different with the characteristics of the, how the lift coefficient increases, how the glider uh, responds to, uh, to the stick, uh, to the pull of the stick. And this is also necessary to get used to it. And if you uh, feel attached uh, to the glider, if you feel it very well, uh, then it's much easier to find the core of the thermal, then it's much easier to judge if you're flying in a good thermal or just an average or just a little gust. And then mm, you don't make empty loops and don't lose time during the flight. Yeah. So this is, uh, this is several things you need to do before the competition. And of course, in my case, I often have to prepare the glider because uh, we do, I don't have my own glider. Uh, I'm rely, mm, I rely on national team gliders and they are very, very much used. Um, almost they don't stand 
<laughs> everybody all the time somebody is flying in the competition with them so they before the real competition i need to take care of this glider especially about the um, surface of wings and uh, smoothness of uh, we have a common problem with the shrinking spars of in, in this glider so i have for example now i'm also uh, i'm still doing it now in, in the avionic factory and they're preparing called uh, diana 2 glider which we use for competition and uh, it's still very good so uh, just after some sandpapering and polishing i think this glider will be perfect for for this uh, next event we have next week what is the event that you have up that's coming next week? Uh, so this year we have European Gliding Championships. We had a Grand Prix finals uh, and uh, we had two uh, Europeans, two series of European competitions. And one was in Stalova Vola, which I already won with the Diana 3 glider, which is a new 80 meter class glider based on the concept of the wing of the Diana 2. Mm, and it was originally now made in the Czech Republic by a few amateurs. Uh, but this is a normal glider with normal spar, normal collections. Everything is very standard, so it will be no problem to uh, to accept this glider for for gliding um, community. And uh, it, it proved to be very nice. Now, now I'm going back to the Diana 2 15 meter version of uh, <laughs> we can say the same wing, but in 15 meter version. It's still from 2000, I think where it first flew in 2005 and from 2005 it's still in 50 meter the best glider in the world so oh, um, nice so it's a challenge this time because we have new gliders uh, with the uh, number three <laughs> uh, ventus and uh, js3 but recently we didn't see that uh, it's so successful in the uh, in any competition, actually, JS3 had a problem with it, and uh, I think it will prove again that the Diana is uh, still the best glider. We already tried it in flat countries. In we flew in Australia and uh, last World Gliding Championships, and uh, uh, there was very big hype about the JS3 coming, from especially by Qantas uh, Jumbo Jet, to be ready on time in the championships, and it didn't fly wet better than the Diana, 3, Diana 2, and it was a surprise. Um, maybe it was designed for a very, very good conditions, and we had a really average conditions in Benalla instead of uh, fantastic uh, Australian weather, but. Uh, it also means that we, if we put a little bit more ballast in the uh, Diana 2, it would be also the same. <laughs> because now the biggest difference between those two gliders is just 30 kilos more. On, so this uh, um, wing loading of the JS3 is a little bit higher, and that's the pro that's the, probably the re only reason for why it's a little bit faster on the under good conditions. I would imagine your schedule keeps you very busy. How many months out of the year are you racing in competition? Uh, the competition is um, usually I'm at four or five competitions. This year is a little bit more. And extra to this, I'm trying to go to um, Kazakhstan because for the first time in the history, there will be a nice glider in this area. And we have fantastic uh, mountains in Central Asia. It's uh, Tianshan Mountains. And uh, if the glider will be ready, because Shemkirt still didn't deliver it, and it sh it's scheduled next week, <laughs> uh, you never oh, know wow. if it's, if it's uh, like that. And uh, we have uh, planned to 
to be in Kazakhstan in three in three weeks, just after the uh, competition in Previza. Uh, so it's uh, the, the the time is very uh, very short, and um, there may be a problem with organizing it. And so, so basically, I'm flying six months a year. When you're usually. not flying. I want to not fly my the other things and uh, a lot. Of, I'm by profession I'm a medical doctor, so I'm a gynecologist. So I used to I'm going to the let's call it surgery, and now usually I'm I'm making the uh, USG scans and uh, such things. And I used to work in the hospital, but this time this year I have uh, no time for it, so I'm just uh, part time in the office in uh, in local village, um, but. Uh, Except for this, I do many other things. For example, I have a lot of meetings and uh, lectures, and uh, I'm also making flights for pilots who would like to do it. For example, last week I flew in Germany, which was also a good occasion for me because next competition is in Germany next year, and uh, we flew on more or less in the same area, so it was uh, a good occasion for me. And so. In this moment, I'm very busy. <laughs> yeah, it's, it, that sounds like you're extremely busy. If I could ask you, what is the biggest obstacle you've had to overcome in flying? Uh, it's money. <laughs> 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 uh, that's the problem. And, uh, mm, you know, in Poland, we have a problem with who get a good glider because uh, there's only in the national team, which is the, probably the richest um, group and uh, in gliding, they, we have only maybe three gliders which are ready to to send it to World Gliding Championship. So it's uh, uh, it's always a problem to rent the gliders. So uh, basically, I don't have a com- problem with flying, but I think uh, if you look at the competitions, that psychological um, problems is the biggest problem. If you have a problem with uh, something or somebody, it, it just really disturbs. And uh, I th- I'm almost sure when I'm relaxed in the competition, I'm going to do doing very well. The, the, when there's a, some, when there are some problems and. Uh, or too much stress, for example, I think the competition, I didn't win. Uh, I was second in the World Lighting Championships in Grand Prix uh, race in, uh, in Spain two weeks ago. I think the the problem was too big pressure and we were really in a hurry. In the beginning, we had a problem with the glider. We had to um, work with this glider for two days, uh, just uh, a day before. We finished just one day before the competition. So it was everything in a huge uh, pressure uh, of time and uh, I I think I was not uh, if you're too much stressed your concentration is very focused and I think I made a mistake the first day and that was the the real problem I lost but uh, after all after being the last in the first day in competition uh, fighting for gold medal in the last day it's not a bad result i think no not at all <laughs> if i could ask you what was one of your most i know you've had a lot of flights sebastian but if you could pick one what was one of your most memorable flights that you've had i think the flight in a wave of your ukraine and we had um, to cross the borders uh, which are still um, a big problem here in europe uh, yeah, still, Ukraine is not in the European Union, but it's in Europe. Uh, to organize this flight, we we started in uh, September. We tried like five times to cross the border, and uh, each time there was some problems. And even we were 
granted the permission by accepting the flight plan, but then in the when we were just next to the border, they refused to enter. And uh, but after we flew there, we discovered something that was very exceptional in this part of the world. So we had a fantastic wave system, uh, hydraulic jump, and uh, uh, the flight across uh, stretch of uh, Gorgon and uh, East Carpathian Mountains was very fast. It was like one hour to get to uh, Romanian border. I would like to be able in the future to fly along those uh, mountains a little bit further into Romania, but in that moment it was not uh, possible to organize. And uh, so even I had a lot of uh, successes in uh, in competitions, I, I'm sure quite often uh, satisfied with what I do because I know with this data, with this knowledge I had in that moment, I made the best decision, I made everything perfectly. And it's a good satisfaction for the pilot. And uh, but uh, I think those um, explorative, let's call them, flights are most uh, memorable for me. And I, I'm I'm happy that I was able to do it like this. And also, the first flight we climbed uh, with a wave uh, over Himalayas was something very. And very successful, but um, in that moment, it was more about the politics and uh, permissions we were given or not. Yeah, but this time in Ukraine, it was more a sports challenge. Of course, we had to stop at the border many times, but that day it was really awful weather on the ground. Uh, we started almost climbing through the clouds in the mountains, and uh, immediately we were cut off from the, the outlanding field. Uh, so the only option was to drift downwind and look for some holes in the, in the cloud cover to uh, to eventually, just in case we to land out. Yeah, uh, but the flight itself, when once we have climbed to 6,000 meters and we got to the place where we wanted to be, that was like uh, in a different different dimension. <laughs> it was also called something like this, like Klaus Ullmann flying in the fourth dimension because. It was like hitting a highway. <laughs> you immediately speed up and you fly which altitude you want, what speed you want. And that's no problem to follow the airway, which is designed for air airliners at this area. And it was one of the uh, problems we also had to follow, face because we were supposed to fly exactly along the airway. And uh, it was no problem. <laughs> so it was very, very... Nice flying, and uh, I will remember it forever. And uh, pictures from that flight are also outstanding. And I, I've seen such uh, clouds, such lenticular clouds, such a wall of um, hydraulic jump in, in Patagonia, but never in Europe. So basically, this was the most uh, memorable flight for me as now. Uh, that sounds very amazing. You know, when we're in the air, as pilots, we do get to see such a different view of the Earth, and that's what I enjoy about it. Mm -hmm. Sebastian, I understand you are an author as well. Can you tell me a little bit about some books you've written? Uh, that's a problem. I'm, I'm, I'm have a, I have a feeling that I, do, I should uh, update it and uh, uh, maybe write a little bit more. 
because I have uh, a lot of a lot more observations since then. I flew a lot with uh, other pilots, and um, I have seen more things. And uh, I have never had a chance to put uh, our views of Himalayas or, or Carpathian Mountains or or Caucasus in that book, and it is interesting. Uh, but but also in the technical part about how you fly and i have some more observation why for, for example people are not successful in thermaling and centering and uh, why there are some other techniques to fly just straight in the, with the glider and it's something that has to be updated in these books but i have no time to do it in, in the meantime uh, basically the book is one only there's two parts one is uh, about how I started to fly gliders, how I got the experience and uh, about the way. But the second part is more technical about how you fly. And these are some details about flying important, very important for the competitor pilot on the next level, yeah? Not for the pilots that are just uh, trying to, to fly in thermals, yeah? This is exactly where you find the thermal when you're flying under the Cumulus Street, for example. It's uh, how the Cumulus Streets are organized and this is uh, the such things. And so I will... I tried to make a book for, for competitors and I found out that um, the first year I wrote it, uh, there were some occasions that uh, we had uh, competitions days that if somebody had carefully written the book, he would be much more successful. <laughs> I said, I have seen that there were some moments that uh, it was exactly what was described in the book. And I don't know, maybe people flew uh, it, but uh, I think they didn't read it carefully. <laughs> <laughs> what's the name of the, what's the title of the book for those that don't know? A Sky Full of Heat. Uh, okay, so I would I would have to update a little bit about uh, thermaling itself and um, some more details about tactics and uh, so on so. Unfortunately, it has changed the competitions because we have this uh, tracking systems and uh, plants which are available to um, see live what's the, gli the other glider doing. Uh, few years back, we could see the gliders maybe two kilometers away. If they are flying a little bit higher, they are more than two kilometers, you don't see them usually. These objects on the sky are just too small to trace, and they are not able to distinguish if they are climbing or, or not. Maybe sometimes you may expect if the glider is higher, he he's climbing very well, because it would make no sense to stay in high altitude and climb in a weak thermal. Yeah? But now, you can see gliders 20 kilometers away on your computer screen. And that's uh, that's a huge problem. We have recently huge goggles, huge congestions of, uh, of gliders in competitions. And I think uh, what was originally uh, in the farm system that it should be in the competition mode or in the stealth mode. So that's not giving the tactical information, only the anti-collision information. And the information about gliders is reduced to two kilometers away only. Uh, that was okay. But in this moment, they started to use it. And I think it was uh, not a good decision uh, to force people to fly in, I'd say, tourist mode of the farm. So it's an open and everybody can know what they are doing, how are you climbing and where you are, and what's your tail number. And this is uh, this is awful because we have had a competitions where 
everybody was waiting for three hours on the start line because everybody knew when he is going to start first, he's a loser. So the, the tactics for the competition is only to start later on the start, to be later, be, fly behind everybody after the start line. So in the next two, three thermos, you will get them and you're five minutes ahead. So this is a problem recently. It's not a problem in the Grand Prix. The tracking on the ground is not helping. But in normal competition, uh, there are some specialized teams. And uh, in some teams, we have uh, people with computers on the ground, which uh, each, each person has one team, one glider in the sky, and he is helping with this glider. So this is something unbelievable, how, what, how it changed the, the competition now, here in Europe, at least. Yeah? And it is, uh, I think it's something wrong. And uh, I have also observations that uh, young pilots, they don't look out. They are looking only in the computer, on, on the computer screen. I had an experience flying the, just a few weeks back. I met a glider. We, there was a competition in, uh, in Slovakia, and I was flying a two-seater in Itatrava mountains. And they flew next to the glider, maybe 100 meters away from this glider, for a long time along the mountains. And uh, it was not behind him. It was like 90 degree or a little, sometimes a little bit in front of him. And he couldn't see me. He couldn't see me for five minutes. Uh, and uh, so that's how young uh, pilots now are behaving in the air. So this is a nightmare. And I think it should be banned to have these farms. Because yeah, they're I agree. Working. We've had uh, many discussions at the club that I'm in about that. People, you know, with their heads in the cockpit with the gadgets rather than looking outside mm -hmm. and flying and seeing what's around them. I totally agree with you on that. That is definitely a real problem. Oh, yeah, it is. Uh, it is recently a huge problem. And uh, when I fly, I have uh, sometimes uh, a feeling that I should put my shirt on the instrument panel in front cockpit and uh, to fly with the student like this. <laughs> then he would have to. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> My instructor did that to me a couple times. I, I think it's, it's a good idea. Yeah. If somebody wants to fly gliders, especially in a competition, what is one piece of advice that you would like to give them? Uh, the result itself is not that important. The important thing is how you uh, do it and if you learn from it. And that's, um, uh, that's why I would recommend to fly not looking at the instruments like um, a flarm but uh, more flying by yourself. Of course, using other gliders is okay, but uh, the gliders that you can see out, outside from your cockpit. And, uh, uh, and the other thing is take it seriously. So I have seen many pilots uh, that are able to have uh, good results, but at a certain moment they give up during the competition. And uh, this is not good. And so attitude, it's, um, it, it has to be seriously. And I have the feeling that if somebody wants to be a good pilot, he can always find he is well motivated to do it. He will find a way to do it. And uh, recently I drove from Germany and one young pilot from Poland, he just called me and we were talking for about one hour and he had a hundred of questions of how, how to do this, how to do that. How you should terminal, how you fly uh, fly straight, and we were uh, we had a nice chat, and I think uh, he's uh, in a good way to to become a good glider pilot. So um, some are just not serious enough, <laughs> and that's a problem. Then we have many pilots that are starting gliders, for example, in Europe, just to become a commercial 
pilots and it's not really a motivation to become a good glider pilot which is not bad to start with gliding i'm i, I agree that uh, to start with the glider is a good thing but uh, but their motivation is not to be a good glider pilot their motivation is to to get some hours some experience and just move to a commercial flying with with planes so that's um, that's not maybe a good uh, uh, way we, we should uh, uh, treat gliding yeah <laughs> Sebastian, I greatly appreciate you joining us today. Is there anything you would like to add? Oh, uh, we are working with new gliders now. I'm I'm in the Avioni factory. I mentioned in on the beginning. I'm just preparing the Diana 2 glider for for the competition in in, in next week. This is the Diana 2. Unfortunately, in last uh, years it uh, was not uh, a great manufacturer, but this manufacturer has changed now. We bought. Uh, they bought rights from from old owner, uh, from designer of this glider, and now they are going to modify it. And I hope it will be a very good glider. So we are very happy to have a new manufacturer in Poland, and uh, they are now making three Diana's uh, tools for for customers already, and they are working with the production of the Diana tree, which uh, after the stage of the prototype, they have to modify it a little bit, and then it will be sold uh, as a a serial production glider it was very good and uh, we hope for more then the, the plan is to beat the greatest yeah to beat uh, german manufacturers uh, the alexander schleicher and shemp and uh, they're in a good route to do it so it's I'm, I'm very happy to be in this project now I'm flying the gl- this glider since the beginning, and I'm happy that now it's moved a little bit forward, and uh, uh, there's a prospect for for building a series of gliders, not only f- 15 and 18 meter, and also the open class uh, glider with the same concept, which is a little bit different from uh, airfoils that uh, are designed in uh, in Germany. If you look at the Ventus 3 and Ventus 2, there is not much difference, and it's almost uh, the same concept. So there was a um, very conservative approach to design the new glider and uh, the Diana uh, Diana gliders are different so it's a little bit uh, better glider for thermaling the lift coefficients for the airfoils is a little bit higher than it makes the difference so um, something I'm very happy that we are coming to the market with as a point and uh, I'm a part of this business now <laughs> we are definitely looking forward to hear how Diana 3 does in the future and looking forward to watching you in your next competitions. Thank you for taking the time to talk with us today, Sebastian. And thank you, each and every one of you, for taking the time out of your busy schedule to listen and help spread the word about soaring. For more information about soaring, you can also check out ssa.org. And while online, check us out, soaringthesky.com. And social media Instagram, you can find us, Soaring the Sky Podcast as well as Facebook under Soaring the Sky Podcast. We hope to see you this year at Oshkosh. We will be there with the SSA. We're going to be hanging out Friday and Saturday. Of course, the SSA will be there all week. And if you are a glider pilot and you would like to share your story right here on Soaring the Sky, you can get a hold of me at chuck at soaringthesky.com. Love to talk with you. Love to have you on the podcast. We hope you join us next time for another great guest right here on Soaring the Skies.